This is an AMI podcast. I'm Kelly McDonald. I'm Ramia Amadin, and this is Kelly and Ramia. Did you know that everyone has rights? No matter who we are, we all qualify. But what happens when freedoms collide? The answers are rarely simple, but always interesting. Join me, Danielle McLaughlin, to talk about civil liberties and human rights on Know Your Rights. Happy Danielle. Monday, Danielle. Hello. Happy Hello. Wednesday. It feels like Monday. <laughs> I, 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 I really missed you guys Monday. I was at around 3.30. I was mm. walking around feeling all lonely. <laughs> But I heard you Why had a really good time. Why didn't you sit down time. and do a segment? You should have practiced. <laughs> Just pretend it. Right. know your rights. Yeah. Have yeah. your husband <laughs> pretend to be us, change his voice and stuff like that, yeah. sound better than we do, and do the segment. That's good. But know your rights is good any day of the week, right, Danielle? Especially when we had a Absolutely. conversation that was very riveting, very informative, and then we had to go. So you wanted to bring it back. I did. Uh, earlier this month, we were talking about what Canada can and cannot do for its citizens who travel abroad. And I know that people have been focused, for example, on people, uh, Canadians in Gaza, Canadians in Israel. Um, Unfortunately, we ran out of time before we could talk about whether or not the Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms applies to Canadians when they leave this country. Mm. So today we're going to ask a few questions about this issue. Okay, so let's get right into it. Does it apply? Does the charter apply to Canadians when they're not in Canada? So, of course, that's we're not going to have a simple answer to oh. that, right? Basically, oh, no. the answer is no. However, there are places where um, Canadians who are abroad have claimed their their charter rights. And it gets complicated, as unfortunately um, we have seen. Now, if we talk about the people who are in the Middle East or who've been in the Middle East, Canada has done its best in most cases to help people who want to leave. And again, I I will stress who want to leave. There's no obligation for anyone to leave who does not want to do so. Um, And they can uh, apply for consular services whether or not those services are available depends upon a whole raft of things. Um, for example, you know, if, if a place is in a state of war, it's not always easy for Canadi- the, the Canadian consulate um, to be able to reach out to its citizens. Um, they can't magically transport people out of uh, danger into a, into a peaceful place or back home to Canada. Um, but they can they can help and they can give assistance where where it is possible. But there are no guarantees. Mm. There are so, other. Yes, yeah, oh, so go, go, go ahead. ahead go, I, well, I was just simply going to say, what a situation when your government and some of the countries in the world, I'm sure, think this way. Oh, we've got citizens that are trapped there. Let's just go in and get them. And you can't. You got to respect. The, the, the atmosphere of, of said country, what's going on, the conflict itself, as long as whatever you want to call the rules are, um, yeah. and, 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 and non-violations. Well, that's a very strong point that you've made here, Kelly, because when you are out of Canada, you are subject to the rules and laws of the country where you are. So even if those rules and laws are different from the ones that we have here, Canada can't do much about that. So, for example, if you are arrested and you have dual citizenship um, with the country where, where, you, are, where you are and Canada, um, 
the country where you are may not recognize your Canadian citizenship. Mm. They may say, sorry, our country doesn't recognize dual citizenship. You're out of luck. Um, and you may have done something that in that country is illegal, which would be perfectly reasonable in Canada. One example might be protesting. Um, there are Canadians, and there are quite a few Canadians, by the way, abroad who are incarcerated in other countries because they have been convicted of various offenses, some of which are also offenses in Canada uh, and some of which aren't. Um, but uh, Canada is not really able to do much about that. Um, they, As you said, they can't sort of leap over borders no. and rescue you. That That's not no. going to happen. They can offer you a list of lawyers who might be able to help you in the country where you are, and those would be lawyers for that country, not 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 Canadian lawyers, but lawyers who practice in the jurisdiction where you happen to be. Um, it's up to you whether or not you hire those people. Um, and, right. and again, your expense. And your expense, and they may or may not be successful. And we have a number of cases that I'll talk about in, in a few minutes um, where people are probably aware uh, of this circumstance. But other than the charter, we have different ways of protecting our rights. So, for example, there are international human rights accords that are protected by the United Nations. There's customary international law. Um, and there's the International Criminal Court in The Hague. Now, that court doesn't just prosecute, um, you know, petty crime. It is there mm -hmm. to prosecute um, crimes against humanity, for for example, or genocide. And but when we hear, Danielle, that yeah. some country has stepped over the lines, whether it be Russia, whether it be right now, the current what's going on with Israel um, and Hamas and say that war crimes are being mm -hmm. committed, that generally comes from The Hague. Is that correct? Well, that's an interesting question, Kelly. And the reason is not every country has signed on to the International Criminal Court. Canada has. Of course, right. Mm -hmm. The United States has not. Israel has not. Russia has not. And there are something like 40-odd countries that have not signed on to it. So they aren't subject to that International Criminal Court, or at least they say they're not. Um, but as an example, Putin has been accused of war crimes. Um, this means that in the countries that have signed on to the International Criminal Court, he can't travel there without the risk of being arrested. Oh. Um, um, he's he's been indicted. Um, he can stay in Russia without any fear because it, the International Criminal Court can't reach into that kind of country, the country that ha has not signed on. The United States is an interesting case, and there are numbers of countries like this. They have... Um, signed on to the criminal court, but their governments haven't ratified it. So it, it's uh, it's basically null. It doesn't really, no. it doesn't have an effect. Mm. And, you know, unless the people who are indicted are arrested and brought to the court in The Hague, and by the way, almost all of the individuals who have faced charges in The Hague are from African countries, um, you know, unless that happens, it, there, there's a kind of immunity almost. There, 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 there aren't a lot of teeth here. Um, right. So, you know, some people have said, well, international law, what is that anyway? And generally speaking, international law applies between countries, not individuals. So if, you know, so if um, Ukraine 
wants to charge Russia uh, before the International Criminal Court, that would be the place to do it if either of them had actually signed on to to that court. So, you know, these are these are very kind of arcane things and they don't do an individual Canadian a whole lot of good uh, overseas when they're looking to see how to be protected. Right. Right. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. Danielle, which issues, if you are traveling abroad, like you mentioned a lot of different examples here and how they might be uh, dealt with, but which rights might be most at issue? Good, good question, Ramya. So the one that I often think about is your mobility rights. Now, for people who are in Canada and are citizens of Canada, and you know, most of our rights and freedoms apply to anyone once they've crossed into our border. There are only two rights that just apply to citizens, and those are the right to vote and mobility rights. So your democratic rights and your mobility rights. Mobility rights basically say, if you leave the country, we've got to take you back in if you want to come back. Um, it also says you can live anywhere you want in the country, and Canada can't tell you, you know, you can only live in, in, you know, in the Atlantic provinces, or you can only live in BC. So those are your mobility rights. You have the right to life, liberty, and security of the person. Those are pretty much your most crucial rights, because mm. unless you're alive, the rest of your rights don't much matter. Um, right. Canada, again, can try to help you with those things. But again, your liberty, if you are incarcerated outside of Canada, is definitely at risk. Right. Can you do something about that Um you know, if and when you get back to Canada, can you sue the Canadian government for having um, done something that has, in fact, infringed upon your life, liberty and security of the person on your freedom of expression? And here's another one that is often thought of is your right to be free from unreasonable search and seizure. Mm. And that mm -hmm. sounds kind of like, <laughs> OK, so. Here's an interesting case. The, the name of the case is Hape, H-A-P-E. And Mr. Hape was a Canadian who was overseas and was suspected of doing something he ought not to have done. The Canadian government um, wanted to have his premises searched so that they could gather evidence to uh, prosecute a crime that had been committed um, in and outside of Canada. And in the place where Mr. Hape was residing, that country did not have a requirement that Canada has for you to get a search warrant. If you want to if, if the officials want to go in and search your house, guess what they have to have a search warrant, mm -hmm. not in the country where he was. So the Canadian government uh, asked the police, and this was in the Turks and Caicos, to go in and search his premises, which they did gathered evidence, he was charged. And then when he got back to Canada, he said that was an illegal search because mm. they didn't have a search warrant. And it was the Canadian government who asked for this to happen. Um, long story short, he didn't win that case. The the uh, no laws were broken outside of Canada and um, the search occurred outside of Canada. We also have a really terrible case right now and it's the case of mr jalil he has been incarcerated in china for something like 15 years now he is a chinese and a canadian citizen he is not by china 
considered to have any citizenship except the Chinese. And he is uh, a man of Uyghur descent, and he has been very outspoken about the mistreatment of the Uyghur population in, um, in China. He was arrested, and this is a freedom of expression issue. If he had been protesting in Canada, he would not have been arrested, but mm-hmm. he was arrested, mm-hmm. and yeah. he is currently in jail. He has never met his youngest child, who was born after he was arrested. Canada has repeatedly um, asked to see him, to provide him with consular services, and China has been very reluctant to let Canada, let Canadian officials in to see him or even his family to to visit him. And this is an ongoing case, um, you know, and, and it will continue to be ongoing. People in Canada have protested. They said, Canada, do something about this mm-hmm. man who is a Canadian citizen. And Canada's really not got a lot that they can do about this in, in this particular case. The other case that you probably remember is the case of Omar Khadr. And Omar Khadr was 15 years old when he was arrested and charged and brought to uh, Guantanamo Bay. Canada sent uh, their operatives to interrogate him in Cuba, which was on territory claimed by the United States. He was arrested and held by the United States. when he, through many machinations, eventually came back to Canada and sued the Canadian government, he, through his lawyer, of course, demanded to get the information that was being held by the Canadian government, that the Canadian government had participated in extracting from him. And the, and the Canadian government said, no, you can't have that. Because it's uh, it's not ours. It's you know it it it's um, it's part of what happened in Guantanamo. In the US. Um, right. That's right. So in fact, he did win that that case, and you may remember that he won a substantial uh, settlement with the Canadian government over the terrible, terrible treatment that he endured as a child um, while he was in custody in in, in Guantanamo. Incredible so, stuff, really. Um, yeah. Danielle, we have just a moment or so left. What sure. about if you're a dual citizen, you get arrested in the country that you have your other citizenship? What like happens in the then? Jalil case, that's... Like in the Jalil mm. case. That, that unfortunately, is you can ask Canada. One of the things that uh, when Canada can't act on your behalf is there are international advocacy groups. Um, many petitions and letters to foreign governments have gone out um, Amnesty International has been working on his behalf, Mr. Jalil's behalf, and numbers of other people who are being held. There's hope. Um, sometimes publicity makes a big difference. Some some governments don't really like to be shamed, and that's what an international advocacy group and constant uh, media attention can help to do. So... Um, you know, that's, I guess, where, where we have to leave that. 
Danielle, this is so interesting. I, I feel like we still need to do a part three on this because there are all these different scenarios and cases That's where, right. you know, it, mm-hmm. it, yeah, we're talking about um, very specific, uh, you know, exceptions to the rule or are there even rules around this, like criminal records? What happens if you go and yeah. get arrested elsewhere and then come back into Canada? You know, there, it's just really fascinating. Um, thank you for bringing the, the topic and we'll chat with you on a Monday. Thank you. <laughs> See you next Monday. Okay. Thanks, Danielle. Join me every couple weeks for the Outdoors with Lawrence Gunther podcast, where we learn about outdoor tech and tips. Plus, we look at news affecting the environment. AMI's Outdoors with Lawrence Gunther is available from your favorite podcast provider.